it's time for On the Couch with our resident psychologist, Jane Enter, exploring life and caring for our mental and spiritual well-being on Bay FM 99.9. Welcome to our regular On the Couch segment with resident psychologist, Jane Enter, based at First Light Healthcare, Byron Bay. As we enter the end of year festive season, what better time to talk about the family, especially being the last episode of this first season of our podcast series. Hope you've been enjoying it. Love them or hate them, our family remains the single most important influence in our lives, especially in the early years. From the first moments of life, We depend on parents and family to protect us and provide for our needs. They are our first teachers and act as role models in how to act and how to experience the world around us. But as we know, it's not all rosy and it's this time of year that a lot of stuff related to our family experience rushes to the surface for many of us positive and negative, resolved and unresolved. It makes for a happy time for many and a challenging time for many others. Who better to help us navigate our family dynamics than the wonderful Jane Enter. Great to speak with you again, Jane. Thanks, Fern. Good to be here. Look, I thought we'd start by getting you to give us your modern definition of what family is. Uh, because traditionally in the West, it's been uh, the nuclear uh, family. It's often meant that and other blood-related members mainly. But, of course, there are so many different types of families. But what's the glue that binds a group that we call family, however it's constituted? Look, the definition really is that there's a, a blood connection or there's a family that's grown up together through, you know, children who've been adopted. They're a group of people who've shared a house over their childhood and been raised by parents or a parent. That is the sort of loose definition of family. And we weren't always nuclear families. We were extended intergenerational families where you know, aunts, uncles, everybody was involved in the child's upbringing and it was a lot more helpful. Mm. Um, And nowadays the prediction for 2023 to 2036 is that the family is going to constitute of a couple with no children. So we are forever evolving, but the nuclear family of two parents, two kids, has taken a huge dive. Mm. And I think the latest statistic I looked at, it was something like 23% of Australian families or maybe 33%, but it had dropped significantly Mm. from 65% in the 70s. The old saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, Another old saying is that it all starts in the family home. Why is family so important for our development, Jane, and our ongoing mental health and well-being? 
Because when we're born, we are utterly helpless and dependent on caregivers. And our neurological wiring in the first two years of of life is pruned by the kind of experiences we have. Our neural pathways get laid down very, very early. Attachment pathways are laid down between sort of naught and two. So it's essential, those early years, and they shape us. You know, there's a difference, as I said before, between explicit memory. Yes, I went to the shops, I did this, I did that, and implicit memory, how I feel about me in the world. And implicit memory happens between conception and the first four or five years of life before verbal memory. And those years determine how loved you feel, how good you feel about yourself, how you attach to other people. It shapes your entire future set of relationships. Mm -hmm. So those early years in family, they're essential to how we continue to feel about ourselves, how we manage future relationships, how we are partners and parents ourselves. Mm -hmm. So largely shapes who we become as an individual and how we see the world. So when we don't have good relationship with our immediate family members, does it remain a source of pain forever? Yes, it does, but it's it's a different level of pain. And I just want to say first and foremost, there are protective factors. So even if you don't have the best mum and dad that you connect with, if you have a great aunt or a grandmother or some family member that you feel understood and met by, that is a significantly protective factor for you. And yes, I think it does remain a pain because people are always seeking, you know, that love of a a parent that just loves them, hopefully relatively unconditionally, who they feel like they're the gleam in the mother or the father's eye, Mm. that they are loved and adored because they incorporate that as, yes, I am lovable. When they don't have that, they don't have that thing of I am lovable. And I still see people in their 70s who feel, um, I wish my mother had done this. I wish Mm. my father had done that. And it's affected them because everyone longs to be loved Mm. in that way by somebody. You say by somebody, and but is another significant other the same as... Your parent, if you've got a parent that isn't giving you that attention, but you do have an auntie or or uncle, is it the same though? Because don't you ultimately crave that from your biological father and mother if you've got them? I think you long for it. But the ameliorating effect of the love of an aunt or a grandmother who makes you able then inside yourself to say, hmm, Mum and dad are pretty flawed, but I'm lovable. Those things can make the biggest and most significant difference. Obviously, everyone wants to be loved by the person who gave birth to them and the person who helped make them. But in the end, if there's enough love around, Mm. the person can get a perspective over time that there's something missing in their parents Mm. rather than that they are an essentially 
you know, flawed being who was mm. born unlovable. Yeah, so it's not my fault. In the absence of a close-knit family, Jane, I've met a lot of people over the years, especially up um, here on the North Coast, who've built a wonderful circle of people around them, basically their substitute family. That obviously is a great thing, but is it the same thing? I think that it depends on the quality and depth of the relationship. So it's that group of people that you know, I can ring at 2 o'clock in the morning and say I'm in trouble and they'll send money or they'll come. Generally, that's family. But if you can create that in your friendship group, that is an amazingly good thing to do. And you and I, Fern, are both immigrants. My family's still in Africa mostly. Your family, I think, is mostly over here. But my friends are my extended family. You know, Mm. they're the people who probably I've spent more time within the last 30 years because I've lived in a different continent. Mm. And so they've become my family. I Mm. adore them and I feel understood by them, whereas the people I've left behind, even though we're blood relatives, Mm. there's 30 years of my life they don't know. Mm. I'm thinking more of people who run away from their families because, you know, the pain is too much and there's, uh, you know, a lot of um, unresolved uh, stuff. And for those people, if they've had to run away, they've had to do so generally because they needed to survive and protect themselves. And it takes a lot for a child or a teenager or a young adult to leave and say, that's it, this is too damaging for me. Even in the most awful cases of child protection, you ask a child, and this is no matter what's happened from the parent or the caregiver, who they want to go home with, it ain't the foster mum and it ain't you. It is still the parent. That link and that longing to be loved is so powerful that if a child or an adult runs away, there's a damn good reason. Mm. I consider myself very lucky, Jane, to be part of what I describe as a a big close-knit family on the whole, even though we are mostly scattered around the country these days. I mean, we were a dysfunctional family, uh, looking back. We fought like cats and dogs and the rest. There was drama and trauma. Uh, But I think not that different, actually, to most other families, to be honest. Because we've been through a lot together, there's such a deep, rich bond. Uh, That's a mixture of love and happiness, but also frustration and all the emotions in between when certain buttons are pressed, (laughs) especially, and nothing like family, of course, to find those buttons. Is acceptance of our individual differences the key or one of the keys to remaining close with our family or even retaining a relationship with our family? It's the key to every relationship to accept difference and not to seek everything to be the same. Every family has an eccentric aunt, a mad uncle, uh, alcoholic somebody, a volatile this, a self-centered that. And it's like accepting that this is the very fabric of life and human beings. 
and that this is what makes us. This is every family. You get a bunch of human beings, you put them together, you're going to get difference, you're going to get drama and argument and hurt and love and all those Things because that's the human experience. Well, I want to ask you about the notion of a black sheep because in virtually all uh, families there's always one member or a few sometimes who see themselves or, or are regarded as the odd one out. I presume that's quite common. Why is that and does having a black sheep serve any purpose for a family or tribe? Whenever uh, someone comes to me with the family problem member, I think, ah, oh, this is the one that's been identified as the problem, the so-called black sheep. But really, that person's just speaking out about all the other problems and they've been identified as that one. But in fact, they're a reflection of what's going on. And, you know, the black sheeps often make us feel better about ourselves. Aren't we good that we don't drink quite as much as that one? But on the other hand, those people often live out the flaws and difficulties in the family and are our greatest teacher. Can I say, Jane, one of the things that you said in an earlier episode, you said that a, a parent is only as happy as their unhappiest child. Can I put to you that I spoke to my siblings the other day about this, that that extends to siblings, that siblings and a family is only as happy as the unhappiest member of that family? I think that's in a very close-knit family, Fern. There are siblings I know that do not care if they never speak to each other again. There's a rivalry, there's, you know, the Cain and Abel story. So it depends on the level and quality of relationship between siblings. Siblings, often there is a, um, a, a rivalry, a competitiveness. Um, you know, one sibling does really well and the other one feels like a failure compared to that sibling. And the one who's done well can often think, see, I had the same upbringing. What happened to you? What's your excuse? Mm -hmm. So if your siblings are saying that to you, that's because you've got a really lovely, deep, connected relationship with them, and that's a gift to be cherished. Mm. So some wounds run so deep that they can't easily be smoothed over, sounds like you're saying. I know some people who almost dread the festive time of year how common is that in people who present to you for help, especially this time of year? This time of year, surprise, surprise, is my busiest time of year because it's that emphasis on family and connection. And there are some people who don't have family and connection. And so the loneliness and their isolation is echoed and mirrored to them in a way that's extremely painful and significant at this time of year. Other people come because they're going home and those old family dynamics are going to rear their ugly head. And I try and explain to them, you can do years of therapy, but you'll be with your family three days. And because of your early imprinting, you'll be feeling just like you did when you were eight, in spite of all the work we've done. And here are strategies to manage that. Because those dynamics have been well established over decades. Mm. 
you know, a few years of therapy is not going to fix that implicit memory and that automatic response, Mm. but there are strategies to manage it. There's more alcohol bought at Christmas, and just for your information, Australia won this year with the most alcohol consumed per capita out of the entire world. So Australia did come first in something. It's that time of year where the tension, the the pressure to have that perfect lunch, the perfect present, the perfect relationship, Mm. the happiest child, the best Christmas, Mm. if you celebrate Christmas, it can be any festival, Mm. is on and people feel worn out and exhausted and often it becomes such a day of tension and irritation that people drink too much, say the wrong thing, (laughs) explode the situation, storm off, it can be dramatic, Christmas, or these kind of very intense get-togethers. I'm so looking forward to it. I'm <laughs> on my way to Sydney right now. Uh, you said three days, uh, one day, <laughs> Jane. You're being a bit generous. There are, of course, uh, more extreme cases where there's been uh, abuse, either physical or mental or sexual. And there are some family relationships that just... Uh, are unrepairable, especially if we're talking about a broken trust. Yes, and often when you see someone who has had to sever or is in the process of thinking of severing that relationship, there are two things operating. It's not only what happened to them and the sadness around that. It's the loss of the relationship they wish they had. It's the grief of wishing they'd had a different experience, a more loving, a less abusive family member. And it it's a lot to come to terms with because we are wired to attach and have relationship. Mm. And that's a really difficult thing to navigate and to let go of. So people in that circumstance, would would festive time of year every year bring that all up? Every time? Yes. Just like triggers for trauma. When certain events, times of year, anniversaries happen, our past experiences and the feelings that are attached to those experiences make their way to the surface and frontal lobe and we remember those times and with that comes the remembering of those feelings and that can make you very sad or anxious or depressed even because your memories always have a set of things attached to them and feelings are very powerful um, parts of memory. Precisely why it is the busiest time of year for therapists like yourself, Jane, Every family has conflict, of course, as you mentioned, and hopefully we get better at dealing with it and handling it when we get older. Uh, Give us some tips on how to navigate tricky family dynamics, especially around this time of year. Uh, What are some of the things that we should remember as we go off um, to our families? Don't think you have to say everything that comes into your head. Some things really are, at these times of year, left best unsaid. Mm. 
especially when you've all had a few drinks, it's late at night and you feel it's time for truth or dare. It's a disaster. Secondly, do not have serious conversations after four or five in the afternoon because if you really want an outcome from a serious conversation, make it in the morning when you've got time to really work it through. Thirdly, let some things go through to the keeper. So Auntie Alice has told you the story 45 times and you think, please, God, not again. Let her tell the story. She's trying to connect with you and that's the only way she knows how. Ask her something different and interesting about herself. Understand that tolerance and love and acceptance and all the colours and hues that are sitting at your table or outside, wherever you are, that's the fabric of you. Mm. Love and embrace it. Um, and when people irritate you and think you think, I just can't take another moment, go for a walk. Take time out. When you notice you're getting activated and it's not a pleasant activation, mm. think, this is the time for me to go and just have half an hour by myself so that you break the nexus, you change the emotion, you change the place, and you will then come back into feeling okay and more able to handle whatever's going to be thrown at you next. Mm. Humour has always played a big part in keeping my family together, Jane, because we've shared so much over a lifetime, we can look back and actually laugh at so many things, including some things that we couldn't laugh at when they actually happened. Humour is, is the most wonderful thing in families, to be able to laugh at yourself, your own stupidity, the other stupidities in the family, the way you reacted, the jealousies you might have once had, the hurt you might have once to be able to say, yes, I was hurt, but God, aren't we funny? It's the getting of wisdom, really, where you can hold two competing truths. And at the same time, which one do you feed? Do you feed the one where you're feeling hard done by and miserable? Doesn't help. Mm -hmm. If you look at the bits that are good and make you feel uplifted, that's the one that will grow into, you know, huge love and humour. And do you think that our prolonged shared experience of this whole COVID-19 period might make a difference this festive season for families, Jane? There are a lot of people who will be seeing their family for the first time in quite a few years. I think from everything I can gather from the clients who've come to see me, unless, of course, they have family in Western Australia and they can't see them still, there's an appreciation of, you know, how valuable and precious family connection is and how, how you realise, I think, when you cannot see the people that you love or you take for granted that you can always just go and visit, there's a kind of real awareness, um, certainly in the people that I've been seeing, about how lucky we are now that we can actually see one another and spend time together. So a greater appreciation for our family and loved ones because of the period we've gone through. Jane, what's your final message for people who might be apprehensive or even dreading getting together with their family soon? Have some plans. Stick to your routine if you can. 
So if you're a person who gets up, goes for a walk, does a meditation, do it. Structure that has held you in the past, in your present life, will hold you through the holiday season. If you know you become a messy drunk, do not drink as much. If you know that to survive your family, you need two hours of hard exercise a day, do it. If you know that you can only take half an hour of Auntie Mabel, just do half an hour. Go and take care of you in the process so that you are less reactive, you are more open and more engaging. And be tolerant. And remember that no one's perfect, including you. And that really, these bonds that you have, if you're lucky enough to have them, are to be held lightly, but also with great um, appreciation because not everyone has them. You may think when you're sitting at your Christmas dinner, oh my goodness, how did I end up with these people? But when you look around, they are your people. And appreciate their difference, including your own difference. Here, mm. here. Jane Enter, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you on this series this year. We are going to take a few months' break. And the good news is that uh, we're going to continue our On the Couch podcast in 2022. We are already on all the popular podcast streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts and so on. So please follow us there and tell your friends um, about this podcast. And I believe Bay FM is going to continue to wear it as well in 2022. Jane, thank you for your generous time and sharing your words of wisdom with us over the past year. I'm sure you've helped so many people. Thank you. I'd like to say thank you to you, Fern, because when you first came to me over this, you said, I want to help people and give them some support through what's been a really difficult year. So your altruistic nature actually got the show going. And the other thing is over the years when I've worked for other places, I've been interviewed, but I've never had someone interview me with the thought and research and the depth of your questions. So you've been such a joy to work with and uh, I hope to see lots more of you next year. How lovely. Thank you so much. Wishing you and your loved ones a very happy festive season and we will see you back again for season two of our podcast in February 2022. Hope you can join us then. Bye, everyone. I hope you have a safe and good festive season. Mm -hmm.